chapter 50, if you don't mind, stand on your feet one good time for me. Genesis 50, and we're going to start at verse 15, and we're going to read down through verse 21. Genesis 50, verse 15 through 21, it reads like this. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all of the evil which we've done to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespasses of the servants of God, uh, your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went. They fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? For as you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now therefore, do not be afraid, for I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them, and he spoke kindly to them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak to our hearts. Give us ears to hear and a heart to receive everything that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, as you're being seated, turn to one or two people real quickly and just tell them good morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, as I mentioned a moment ago, we are glad to be here. Good to be back on good old USA soil. And uh, just excited to see what God's going to do in your life today. But God's faithful. He always answers prayer. And uh, we're just excited today that the Lord has saw fit for us to, to serve Him. Amen. I've been very encouraged about testimonies from around the world, here in the States especially, of, of revival sweeping among the college students, and it's been such a wonderful thing. And, and I'll say this, God will move anywhere that we build an altar of sacrifice. Amen. And so we need to just continue to, uh, to press into what God is doing, because I know He has something special that He wants to do here among us. But um, we're excited today, as I mentioned, a little weary, praying for an extra dose of God's anointing today, and um, jet lag is no joke, but I want to say, uh, again, I already said it, but Pastor Seth did a phenomenal job preaching yesterday, or Sunday, rather, great job. Come on, give him a hand. The Bible says, give honor where honor's due. Of course, my wife did an amazing job on Wednesday night teaching on our We Believe series, and uh, just so wonderful, blessed. It, it blesses a pastor's heart. To not have to worry about things when you're gone on vacation or an emergency or in my case I was on a mission on the mission field so it's always a great thing to know and that's because we have great leadership in this church uh, our board are great leaders we have great leaders among our staff it's awesome so I'm excited about that and I want to say thank you to Chris and Michelle uh, Chris is back in the in the ushers office but for uh, everything that they did with the marriage conference amen did you enjoy that those of you who were able to go um, I know it was a blessing. I hated that I wasn't able to be here, but I'm looking forward to watching the sessions and being able to catch up on all of that. But today I want to start, or continue rather, what Pastor Seth started last week. This series, Won't He Do It? And the whole purpose of this is to stimulate your faith with the spirit of testimony. And so last week we talked about what is a testimony and and what does that look like and the importance for us to share our story. And uh, because whenever you share your story, it inspires hope, in other people's lives and so that's very important well today I want to continue along on that path and I want to talk about the fact that if God did it for one person God can do it for you 
And so while I was in Kenya, I didn't have this message pre-planned, but I grabbed the notebook and I began to jot down some notes um, on, the, on the life of Joseph, Joseph the dreamer. And this morning, from the, it's not an original title, but it is an original message. I, I want to preach to you for a few moments from the subject, from the pit to the palace. From the pit to the palace. And so we're going to begin to look at Joseph's life. Why, we need to ask ourselves today, why is this so significant? Because a testimony is a record of what has happened to you. So when you, whether you get on the court stand and you testify about something or something of that nature, you're bearing witness to the fact of a series of events that's happened. Now, in the Christian perspective, when we share our testimony, it brings inspiration, it brings hope, it brings an anticipation of God's faithfulness to our lives. In, in essence, as I shared a moment ago, uh, the book of Revelation says that uh, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, when you share about what Jesus has done, it inspires a, a prophetic utterance in this sense that if God can do it one time, he can do it again. And so today we're going to be tracking along those lines, and I know it'll bless you. Go back to Genesis chapter number 50 with me, and I want to jump into this as we look at the life of Joseph. I want to read this text one more time. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. The Bible says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all of the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph in Egypt and said, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers for their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of your God and of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant this for evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alike. Now therefore, do not be afraid. For I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. I want to take a few moments this morning. I want to look deeply into the life of Joseph. Joseph is an interesting story in the scripture. Joseph's life begins in Genesis chapter 37. And uh, the culmination of the story of Joseph uh, actually kind of eclipses uh, in Genesis chapter 50. Now, you and I who read the Bible, we understand we can sit down at Genesis chapter 37 and we can spend an hour or so if you're a fast reader, maybe a little longer if you're a slow reader, and we can read through uh, those 13 chapters in the Bible in the matter of a couple of hours. And it's easy for us to look at this and to just have no concept of the amount of time that actually uh, lapsed in between Genesis chapter 37 and Genesis chapter 50. But what you need to know is that Joseph's journey began when he was 17 years old. Do we have any 17-year-olds in the house? Come on, raise your hand if you do. There's a couple. Joseph was your age whenever God began to move upon his life. And it culminates in Genesis chapter 50 when Joseph is, in fact, 30 years old. Do we have any 30-year-olds in the house? Come on, anybody? Okay, we got... Come on, man. You thought I couldn't see you, huh? Well, Joseph was 30 years old, 30 years old. 
So what you've got to understand in the, in the time lapse of these chapters in between Genesis 37 and, and Genesis chapter 50, there are not only 13 chapters, there are 13 years that actually spanned this time. Now we're going to begin to look at this and I want to tell you his story because I believe God's going to speak to our heart. Now the background of this is that J- uh, Joseph's father, Jacob, is living in Canaan. He's a temporary resident. He had set up there because of everything that was happening among the land. And he finds himself in Canaan and his family is there. And Joseph and all of his sons. And the Bible begins to talk to us about his youngest, uh, his, um, his son named uh, Joseph. The son of his old age. And in the process of time, Joseph had a dream. Joseph was a dreamer. God began to speak to him, and, and in, in the process of this dream, it began to just overwhelm him. And, and we're going to see in just a moment how God used his dream in order to save not only the nation, but his whole family. But any time God calls you to do something, there is a process. And, and a lot of people think that that they're going to have a dream from God and then the next moment they're going to wake up and it's going to come to pass. But as we see time and time again in Scripture, there were 13 years of, of, from giving birth to actual conception in the life of Joseph. And so I want us to look for a few moments, flip over to Genesis 37, and we're not going to read all of this, but we're going to just hit a few highlight passages and I want to paint a complete picture for you today. Genesis 37, verse 1 through 4. Reads like this, it says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. Now this is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Billah and with the sons of Zilpah and his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. So he was the baby. And also he made him a tunic, a coat of many colors. But when his brothers saw that his father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. If you're taking notes or you're looking at our notes this morning, point number one is this. Joseph was favored. Joseph was favored. Joseph was favored by his father. Now, because he was the son of his old age, him and Joseph had a special relationship. And that relationship was, was one that is, is one of the baby of the family. God had, had so connected him and his dad that they ended up making him a coat of many colors. It was something that would set him apart from his other siblings. Joseph wore it with pride. It was something that signified, my father loves me and I love my father. Joseph was not only favored by God, or by his father rather, but he was also favored by God. And when we track his life from all the way from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50, what we find is, is that favor stayed upon his life from the beginning to the very end. It's amazing. And what we find is that Joseph had a dream, and that dream was significant, but that dream caused problems with those around him. See, Joseph had this dream, and I'll, I'll just give you the synopsis of it this morning, but he had a dream that he was uh, positioned to a place of authority. And he had a dream that his brothers and his parents came and bowed down before him. And Joseph 
not knowing fully what the dream meant, he went and he shared that with his, his siblings and he shared that with his father. And the Bible says they began to hate him even more. That they, they, they didn't understand who did he think he was, that he was elevating himself to this position of prominence. See, I want to tell you this morning that not everyone will understand your dream. Uh, not everyone will be excited about your dream. His family interpreted this dream as Joseph trying to self-promote or elevate himself to a position over them. But the problem is that Joseph didn't make this dream up. It was God that gave him the dream. Oh, come on, somebody. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but when God gives you a dream, everybody's not always excited about it. When God gives you a dream, not everybody can get on board with you. Let me ask you a question today. Have you ever felt like God gave you a dream? Have you ever felt like God gave you a vision in your life? And let me tell you something. Don't be surprised if everybody doesn't celebrate it. Joseph thought he would be met with some good thing, but yet no, the Bible says that it enraged them. In fact, whenever uh, it was told to his father, it says that his father it was put off by the dream, but yet he kept it in his mind. He considered the matter. See, Joseph was favored by God. He was the youngest child. His brothers were older, more accomplished, those things. But here's what I want to tell you about favor. Are you ready? Favor isn't fair. Favor isn't fair. But Joseph was favored by his father. Now, I want, to, I want to track quickly because I don't want to get bogged down. I've got a lot of distance to go this morning. Let's look at Genesis 37, verse 18. And we're skipping along in the story here. Genesis 37, 18 says, Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near him, they conspired against him to kill him. We'll read a couple more verses. It says, Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit that we may say some wild beast has devoured him and we shall see what becomes of his dreams. See, number one, Joseph was favored. But let me tell you, number two, Joseph was attacked. Jacob came out uh, to Joseph and ended up sending him with his brothers and here they see him afar off and they begin to conspire against him. See, they were so envious at what God was doing in his life that they were wanting to, to make an end of him. So they began to dig a pit. They got their best shovels and they began to dig out a big pit. And they had a big scandal that they were going to do. They were going to make up all of these different lies and they were going to say that a wild animal has killed Joseph. They were going to take it back to Jacob and that was going to be the end of it. Can I tell you that when the enemy is, is frustrated about what God is doing in your life, he'll assign people to try to assassinate your dream. Come on, somebody. He'll assign people to try to assassinate your dream. But let me tell you what happened. In the middle of all of this, one of the brothers spoke up and said, no, 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 no. Let's don't kill him. Let's make some money off of the process. And so they converted to plan B. They killed an animal, took Joseph's coat, stripped it from him. They put animal's blood on it. They took it back to, jo to, to Jacob and said, look, your, your son has died. The Bible says that, that Jacob mourned over the loss of his son. What kind of sick, twisted person devises such a plan to lie to their parents to say one of their siblings has been killed? 
But yet, that's exactly what they did. And so, what they did now was that they conspired against him, dug this pit in the ground, and they sold him to the Ishmaelites. So not only did they hate his dream, but now they have trafficked him. We think human trafficking is a new phenomenon in our century. But they sold him for money as a slave into the hands of the Ishmaelites. And they conspired this big plan and took it back and they said, listen, this is what happened. Now here's what I want you to know something, folks. When the enemy is trying to kill you, when he's trying to assassinate the dream that God has in your life, he'll even make up lies against you to try to make other people believe it. Try to make him insignificant in the eyes of Jacob. They even went as far to say, let's see what his dream will do. The Bible says that they stripped his coat. They dipped it in blood. And they sent it back to Jacob. Now, I, I, don't, I don't want you to miss this. I want you to pay attention right here. You have to understand that his coat was one of his most prized possessions. It signified the favor that he had with his father. But even in the middle of hard times, they took him and they put him down in this pit. But I need you to get this. Don't, don't let this escape your mind today because the enemy often tries to do things. But here's what we've got to realize. They took his coat, but they did not take his dream. No, you didn't hear me this morning. I said they took his coat, but they did not take his dream. Let me tell you, the enemy can might try to hurt you, but he cannot rob what God has put on the inside of you. Because Jacob's dream, Joseph's dream, did not come from his own mind, from his own will, from his own ambition. It came straight from God. But his brothers attacked him, threw him down in the pit, and Reuben and Judah wised up and they said, no, 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 let's, let's get him out. So they took him out and they sold him to the Ishmaelites. Those Ishmaelites took him down to Egypt. There was a man by the name of Potiphar. He was a captain of the guards in Egypt. Yet the Bible says that even when Joseph went to Potiphar's house in Egypt, there's an interesting verse there. It says, and the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. You see, oftentimes when we're going through difficulties, oftentimes when we're going through adversities, and we feel alone, we feel dis discarded, we feel like nobody is with us, the Bible was clear to say that God was with Joseph. And can I tell you something? That when you feel discarded, when you feel alone, when you feel rejected, when you feel like you've been abandoned, God is with you. God is with you. Even when you don't see Him. Even when you don't feel Him. Even when you don't understand the darkness of the hour which is facing you. God is with you. Even in the darkest of times. See, Joseph was favored by God, but that favor did not stop the attack from the adversary on his life. You see, the Bible says no weapon formed against us shall be able to prosper. It doesn't say that the weapon will not form. 
but it does say it will not prosper. And that's exactly what happened. He gets to Potiphar's house and, and, and God elevates him in that place. Let's look at Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39 gives us some interesting insight. Let's look at verses 1 through 5 here. Genesis 39, 1 through 5 says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man and was in the house, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. And so Joseph found favor in his sight, and he served him. Then he made him the overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So much, look at this, so it was that from the time that he had made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had, and all that, all that he had in the house, and all that was in the field. Thus he left all he had in Joseph's hand. Notice this. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now I don't know if you caught that. Joseph was attacked, but Joseph was also promoted. God promoted him. You see, one situation looked like it was bad. His brothers had set him up to kill him. Now he finds himself in Potiphar's house. And, and Potiphar saw the favor of God on his life. Can I tell you something? When God favors you, people take notice. When God favors you, there's nothing the devil can do about it. When God favors you, all of hell can rise up against you. But listen, you can find favor even in Potiphar's house. So Potiphar said, this guy, there's something about him. So I'm going to give him all that I have. The Bible says that Potiphar was so relaxed that he gave charge of everything that he had. And he let Joseph run it. It, it even goes as far to say, as far as his possessions were concerned, the only thing he even knew he had was the bread he ate every day. Joseph was the man. He was favored by God. You know what that tells me? The scripture doesn't give a lot of insight, but that, that tells me that, that in the middle of it all, Joseph walked upright. Joseph was serving God the best that he knew how. Difficult times had been dished out to him, but yet he chose, rather than to be bitter, he became better. And he served God faithfully, kept his head up to the fact that the people noticed and, and everything that he had was given to his charge. But then, just like there was an attack from his brothers sent against his life, Potiphar's wife had a seductive spirit. She decided that she wanted to be with Joseph. Now, they had already took Joseph's coat, and I told you they couldn't take his dream. Now he finds himself in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's away and Potiphar's wife comes in. I don't know if she was cute, if she was pretty, whatever, but she was a woman obviously of, of power and affluence and she knew what she wanted and what she wanted was in front of her. Now I need you to understand something. At this moment, there was nobody in the house but them two. Joseph could have easily 
slept with her. And probably nobody would have ever known about it. But guess what, my friend? He's a man of integrity. He's a man of character. You see, what people know you as out in the world is your reputation. But who you are behind closed doors, that's your character. You see, it's easy to act right when the world is looking at you. But what do you do when opportunity rises and you could do it and not get caught? That is character. And Joseph rejected her advances. The Bible said it put her off. She was frustrated. She's probably a woman who was not used to being put away. So she grabbed a hold of him. And I don't know if he had on a tunic, if he had on a, a, another jacket or what it was, but the Bible says that he fled from her presence and she had his garment in her hand. Let me tell you something. They took his coat, but they did not take his dream. She took his garment, but she did not take his integrity. She didn't take his integrity. He was steadfast. She went. She took the garment. She said, this man has attempted to rape me. She lied. You see, when people can't have their way with you, often they'll devise lies. See, everybody that's in prison ain't guilty. There are a lot of people convicted wrongfully. And Joseph, the Bible says they took him and they put him in prison. You know the interesting thing? Just like Potiphar's house, the Bible says, and in the prison, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him in the prison. Joseph was a man known to interpret dreams. And in prison, there was a baker, and there was a butler, and he, there was a dream that went forth. And, and anyway, Joseph was the man. They said, listen, this, this man right here, he can interpret dreams. And, and that won him favor in the prison. Then, there was a man by the name of Pharaoh. Pharaoh heard about Joseph's. The Bible says because of Joseph's integrity, because of his character, because of his faithfulness to his God, he said, I want to get to know this man. Because Pharaoh was troubled with a dream. He had a dream that there were seven fatted calves. Things were prospering, things were lush, things were growing. He had a plan of all of these things. And and then that seven prosperous fatted calves were met with seven sickly cows, skin and bones, without food, without water. He was troubled. He said, what does this mean? Joseph gave him the word of the Lord from the dream. He said, here's the interpretation of the dream. He said, there are going to be seven years of plenty. In the land. It's going to be followed by seven years of famine. And in those seven years of famine, there's going to be a lot of death. There's going to be a lot of destruction. There's going to be a lot of things that happen. Pharaoh was so impressed that he made Joseph the second in command in Egypt. 
Think about this. Son of Jacob, living in Canaan land, hated by his brothers, attempted to be assassinated. Then they changed their plan and trafficked him. The Ishmaelites sold him into the hand of Potiphar. Potiphar's wife accuses him of rape, of attempted rape. He gets thrown into prison. And from prison, he literally goes to the palace. The Bible says that he became favored. God gave Joseph wisdom. Because see, dreams are often, when when dreams are from God, dreams are prophetic. And and prophecy is foretelling and it's forthtelling. This was a predictive dream. The interpretation of it was good times are coming, but bad times are also coming. And so what do you do when you receive a word like that from somebody who is so accurate in their interpretation? Well, what you do is you prepare in the good times so that you're not unprepared in the bad times. So while Joseph was second in command, in the seven years of plenty, they begin to store grain in Egypt. They begin to store up the vats and the silos, and they begin to fill them from the brink to the brim, and they begin to just be overflowing. And, and, and Israel, uh, Egypt was so prosperous during that time. But then there were seven years. Seven years of famine. Egypt was blessed, but everywhere else was not. Their animals didn't have anything to eat. Their kids didn't have anything to eat. Meanwhile, Joseph is in Egypt. His brothers are still in Canaan, starving to death. You got to understand something. When Joseph was sold to the Ishmaelites, his brothers expected to never see him again. They didn't know where he ended up. They didn't even know he was still alive. The Bible says one day during these seven years of famine, off from the distance, come his brothers. They come a time or two, he puts a little bit in their satchels and they get home and they're like, what is this? And You know, and they keep coming back to Egypt for grain. And finally, 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 Genesis chapter 50 tells us about Joseph's vindication. We've read it twice. I don't want to read it again, but I want to tell you, his brothers come. After they realize that it's him, they send a message. They say, hey, We know he loved his father. His father, Jacob, let's tell Joseph by way of messenger that his father's last wish was that if Joseph was still alive to forgive us of all of the evil. So there was word sent. And then all of a sudden, here they come back again. Recorded in Genesis chapter 50. They begin to feel guilty 
And so I want you to turn over here and I want you to see this. His brothers came back to him. In Genesis 50 verse 18. It says, then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. They said, behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. For am I in the place of God? Let me tell you what he was saying right there. Joseph, because he was second in Egypt, he had the right and the ability to assassinate them if he wanted to. Nobody would have blinked an eye. You see, it's hard to forgive people who've hurt you. But Joseph had integrity. Joseph had character. See, all of us need to be a little bit more like Joseph. You see, Joseph's dream, let's rewind for a moment. Joseph's dream back in 37 was, was, was a dream of God using him to help save his family. But yet, at the same time, those who were, he was supposed to be helping were digging him a pit. Isn't it interesting that sometimes the very people God sends you to serve are the very ones that try to kill you? But through it all, Joseph was favored. He maintained his character. He maintained his integrity. His brothers are before him. They are travailing and trembling. They're wondering what's going to happen. And Joseph says, I'm not in the place of God. Here's what he was trying to say. I'm not going to judge you. He said, but it's for you. What you did, you meant it for evil. But God, he meant it for good. Because of what I went through and where I am today, I'm able to stand before you and save many people alive. He says, so don't be afraid. I will provide for you and for your little ones. The Bible says he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. Let me tell you something, that when these seven years of famine came, they prepared food. They began to, 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 to get it in place. And then all of a sudden, Joseph is put in a position. Do I retaliate against them? Do I forgive them? See, Joseph understood something. He understood that what the enemy meant for bad, God would ultimately turn it around and use it for good. And see, oftentimes we have very limited perspective in the middle of our trials and our troubles and our situations. And we think, God, how in the world will you ever get glory out of this? But I'm going to tell you something. God can and God will get glory out of our trials. He can and he will get glory out of our struggles. He can and he will get glory out of our life if we just simply keep the right attitude. If we simply hold our character. If we simply hold our integrity. Listen, we've got to live a life that we're behind closed doors. We live the same way in the secret as we do in the open. We've got to live the same way for God. God in the secret place as we do in the open place we got to maintain our character and listen just as God prospered Joseph God will also be with us listen all of us have gone through things in our life that we wish we could erase now I want to tell you something don't ever get this confused 
God is good. Amen? God is good. The devil is bad. Okay? God is good. The devil is bad. Religion will tell you that God and the devil are working together to get you in the right direction. Let me tell you, God is not evil like that. Scripture says God is light. In Him is no darkness at all. Neither is there any variableness. Neither is there any shadow of turning. God wasn't authoring the pain that Joseph went through. But just because God wasn't authoring it, that doesn't mean God in His foreknowledge didn't see it. See, God sees the end from the beginning. And I want you to notice that it says that the Lord was with him everywhere he went. And there are things in our lives that we wish that we could have skipped. Don't misunderstand me today. I don't mean to, to rip scabs open or to, or, to, or, to, or to pour salt in wounds, but there are those in this room who were molested. And you're like, God, if I could just undo that, I understand if you said, God, I, this divorce that I went through, it tore my life apart, and, and, and it really wounded me. If I, could just, if I could just undo that part of my life. Lord, this crime that I've done, that, that, that put me in prison, that incarcerated me, I wish I could undo it. Let me just tell you something. Your life is a sum total of your experiences and your decisions. You are who you are today because of what you've went through. And let me tell you something, that if you undid anything in your life up to this point, you would not be the same person that you are right now. But let me tell you, just like Joseph, God can bring you on the other side of it to save other people who've gone through the same thing. I'm here to tell you this morning, God can redeem the bad in your life. Joseph said he had enough maturity to understand when he got on the other side of his trouble. Listen, 13 years from the pit to the palace. 13 long years of broken relationship with his family. 13 years of not speaking to his father. 13 years of being away from his comfort zone in his home. 13 years, but on the other side of it, Joseph could say, I know you meant this for evil, but God's turned it around, and he's going to use it for my good. He's going to use it for your good. You meant to destroy me, but God's going to use me to bless you. Come on, somebody. I want you to know that when you do right in the sight of God, the Bible says he'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy. You see, they tried to stuff him out. Now they're eating at his table. Oh. I want to close with this scripture. The New Testament reality is this. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, For we know this, all things. Somebody say all things. Put that scripture on the screen. Romans 8, 28. For we know this, all things work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God 
to those who are called according to his purpose. Folks, let me tell you something. This sermon is not about me this morning, but I was reflecting on my own life. There are things in our, in our early days of being married and when I was still working a secular job and, and witnessing to my friends and, and I would go home crying because they said, you'll never preach, you'll never pastor, nobody will come to your church, you'll never do anything for God. Let me tell you, and I sit here where I am now and I'm like, God, they meant it for evil. But you turned it for my good. Let me tell you why. Because everybody wants the oil. Nobody wants the crushing. I heard T.D. Jake say one time, he said, he said, I get tired of these young preachers coming to these conferences. And they're saying, Bishop, just lay your hands on me and let me get double part of your anointing. He said, no, if you want what I got, you got to sleep under the bridge I slept under. If you want what I got, you got to eat some government cheese and can't afford your food. If you want to get what I get, you got to go through what I went through. And here's what I'm trying to tell you. The processes of God, the difficulties, the hardships, the hard times, they seem like they're sent to kill us. But God can work them together for our good. To those who are called according to His purpose. Let me tell you, some of the greatest counselors that you could ever go to godly Christian counselors are not people who've never gone through anything. They're people who have some miles under their belt. They say, honey, you're going to be all right. You know how I can tell you? Because I've walked this same road. This divorce is not going to kill you. This bankruptcy is not going to kill you. This disease is not going to kill you. you. Listen, sometimes the very best people to walk through hardships and troubles with us are people who've seen the faithfulness of God. We can turn and say, won't he do it? Because he's faithful. Oh, when I think about this, I think about Jesus. You say, Pastor, how in the world does Joseph tie in with Jesus? Well, it's not a direct parallel, but there's some interesting things. Joseph was sent to save his brothers. Jesus was sent to save his Joseph was loved by his father. Jesus was loved by his. Joseph was despised because of his message and was thrown into a pit. Jesus was despised for his message and they threw him into the grave. Joseph didn't stay in the pit. He rose to the palace. Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He rose to glory. My God. Let me tell you, if he did it for Joseph, he'll do it for you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Let me tell you, you may feel like giving up right now. Maintain your integrity. Maintain your character. Joseph was accused of of rape. He was accused of this and that. But here's what I would challenge you. Live your life in such a way that your character speaks for you. That if people accused you of something, they wouldn't even believe it. Because your character keeps you in difficulty. I want everybody to